Why does Sri Ramana insist that the only means of attaining self-realization is through Atma-vichara? All other techniques and approaches, he says, are preliminary, but they won't get you to realization. The only direct understanding of the self can come through self-inquiry, which consists of what? It's the simple, silent asking of the question, who is I? And if you do this approach seriously and take seriously the results of what you encounter, you will discover that behind all of the words and images of the ego mind that stream across consciousness, repetitively, constantly, and all the affects that they carry. Behind all of those signifiers, is there a self? Is there someone there who is doing the thinking? No. Literally, the thoughts do not have a thinker. It's very important to get this. You can look, you'll see. It's emptiness. There's nobody home. The ego is just a machine repeating the thoughts that it learned to think, parroting them. It will even parrot back spiritual jargon But there's no one actually behind the words. And so it is the words themselves that create the illusion that there is someone there. There's an automatic presumption, well, if there's an I thought that says, I am going to do this, I will not do that, I want this, I hate that. If there is an I thought, then there must be an I who is thinking it. But there isn't. It's just emptiness. And so the ego completely lacks essence, substance, completely lacks a self. And these thoughts just go on. Not logically, not according to real reason, but according to fantasies and projections. And as every sage has taught, from Shankaracharya and Buddha and Jesus and all of the great sages, 
those fantasies, those desires that the ego produces inevitably bring disappointment, if not worse. Buddha said remorse, but it can be devastation. It can be death. The thoughts are not in accord with the reality that one will discover, usually the hard way. And yet, the thoughts will continue, even after that, to produce the same desires and the same patterns over and over again. The ego doesn't learn. Really, it's not capable of learning. Because it doesn't have intelligence. It's a conditioned reflex, produced by commands that you receive from parents and society, starting even before birth in the intrauterine developmental phase and in childhood. But by about the age of five, it was set. You know, you could add different strata on top of it, but the basic approach of the ego is determined by those commands and projections that one received that will continue making you do things to try to make the other happy or to rebel against the other if that's the command that you receive to be independent and do the opposite of what you're told. Whatever it is, you don't have the free will to decide that. It's all happening in accord with that set of commands. And the ego itself can't change itself. It can't reprogram itself. You can even go through 10 years of psychoanalysis and you're just the same as when you started. Look at Woody Allen. <laughs> he had 30 years of it. You can, you can see that no processes of therapy actually work because the ego is limited to those particular mindless drives that are based on that set of commands that are about you should stay loyal to the parents in the family system, you should serve your country no matter what, you should go to church every Sunday, you should do this or that, or you should take drugs and, and go to rock concerts and do other things. And, uh, whatever it is that you, you think you have your own style and proclivity toward is actually an imitation. We mimic the others. You mimic the popular kids in school and you adopt their style or you mimic those who you think are going to get ahead and be most successful. But there's no internal understanding of of who you are and therefore what is really important. So your value systems are totally determined outside. And once you follow those value systems and those orders, plus the omissions, the things you're told not to do, that you're not even to know, the forbidden knowledge, 
once you censor out all of that, your intelligence is crippled. Your ability to think your way out of any problem is completely limited because your repertoire of thoughts and logic and capacity to see through the illusion has been completely eliminated. You're part of the illusion. So the only way out of this trap of the hell realm of the ego is to realize you're not the ego. But the only way you can realize that is doing the self-inquiry and realize not only are you not the ego, you're not anyone. And this is what's terrifying. And the ego knows this, of course, and that's why every ego feels like a phony. You know, I'm just pretending to be this or that. I can't back it up. It's a bluff, it's bravado. And if one has a negative ego that says, no, I'm lousy and worthless and nobody wants me and they'll all reject me and all of that, then you'll go through life projecting and provoking people to try to do that to you, which you can usually achieve, and that will bring you back to a feeling like, okay, it feels like home, right? But you can't get out of that feeling because there is no one there to tell you this isn't true. This is also just a mask that you have put on over an emptiness. But the emptiness is so terrifying, you'd rather stay even with an ugly mask than no mask at all. And even though you know it's a dead end to follow the ego's drives that will always end, as I say, in a sense of loss, but you can't stop it. It's irresistible. It's an impulse that the ego itself must follow. Because if it doesn't, there's a rupture with its own identity. And that, in an ordinary state, if there has not been the realization of the self, will lead to a malignant depersonalization, as the psychiatrists call it, or a psychotic meltdown. And the ego is always only that far away from such a meltdown. It's very fragile. But if you can tolerate the emptiness, if you can abide in the emptiness, and realize you are no one and nothing, then from within that emptiness itself, the power of the self, the real self, will reveal itself. And once that happens, that power dissolves all of those thought patterns. They are extinguished and after the annihilation of those patterns and the silence becomes constant, then there is a flow of wisdom, 
not in words, although it can be put into words when necessary or useful for service, but it's a silent knowledge, a knowing of the real. And then one knows how to live. So the problems are, of life are all easily resolved after self-realization. But the ego wants the answers now. What do I do now? But it begins with the premise that's false, that there is an I that can do anything, and there isn't. And you have to get over that illusion. And, and sometimes you have to grieve that illusion. You have to mourn the loss of the illusion of yourself. But the I thought, the thinking mind, cannot accomplish anything. It's, it's automatically within a false frame of reference because there is no individual. And so once you recognize that that frame of reference is maya, that's the illusion, you won't want to stay in it any longer. But who won't want to stay in it? You see? It can't be done as a, an egoic desire to attain the silence. You can, you can make affirmations, yes, I am the self, I'm not the ego, you can do that. And that may be an aid. But the only thing that actually works is the witnessing of the thoughts and the remaining as the witness. And that requires also willpower in the beginning. <clears throat> but once there's the realization that you're not the ego, you are the silence, you're not just clinging to silence, it's simply the truth of your being. And once that is recognized then, the power that resides in that dimension of being gives all the support, the fulfillment, the joy, the love, the meaningfulness, and the ability to navigate life accurately. Because it's beyond life and death, and therefore it's fearless and desireless and sees things as they really are. That's the sattvic mind. It's no longer rajasic, running away from itself, trying to be productive, make money, do things, get approval. And it's not tamasic, spacing out, taking drugs, watching TV or being on the internet, wasting time and, and losing its opportunities for growth. It's no longer falling into either of those patterns. And it's not living frivolously anymore for sensuous pleasures. because all of those just create karma. But the moment that the ego dies, the moment you've annihilated the thought patterns, karma ends as well. This is the, the key point. The 
ego will create ever more karma that's in accord with its belief system. It can't do anything else. And that karma, because it's based on illusion and is false, is going to bring more and more clashes with reality, more conflicts, interpersonally, intrapersonally, and at every level. And so the more that the ego mind tries to fight its way out of a bad situation, the more it digs a deeper hole for itself. But once there is emptiness and desirelessness, there is clarity. And there is the peace and serenity that enables responses to be offered with poise with grace, with empowerment, because the real will speak through your body, not the ego anymore. And the real will cut through the false very easily. The real is a thousand times more intelligent than the ego. But the real only appears once the sacrifice of the ego has been completed. Until then, you may get intermittent glimpses, but they won't sustain you, and the ego will fall back into its tendencies because they are lifelong tendencies. In fact, many lives long tendencies that can only be overcome through a total surrender to the self in the emptiness. Nothing else will do. If there was any other, if you could take a, a red pill and be out of the matrix, that would be great. I don't think such pills exist. But what does exist is the realization of the truth that is yours for the having just by realizing there's no one. There's no ego self. And this matrix indeed is a hologram. It's a movie that's already been shot. It, it can't be changed. But the realization of who you are ends the trajectory of what had been happening in that film. That's the meaning of the end of karma. Now freedom can ensue. But it's not free will for an individual. It's God consciousness. It's the will of God operating to produce the optimal benevolent results. But so long as the ego wants to take charge of its own life and be master of its fate and all of those things that you're taught as an ego, never surrender, never give up, always hold on to the flag of your ego desires. 
Well, as long as that's true, then you're going to end up in battles that are lose-lose propositions. So the way out is in, and the inner produces a realization of the nothingness, the emptiness, that once it has been recognized as the total reality. This emptiness is not nothing, it's consciousness. But what is consciousness? Consciousness cannot be understood scientifically. It's not some chemical actions in the neurons of the brain. Consciousness is prior to body, prior to world. The world is contained within this consciousness. But it has no perceivable flavors or qualities. It is nirgun. And yet, once there is the full realization that you are this consciousness that's cosmic and beyond in scope, it's unlimited, once you have dissolve totally into that, then this consciousness that seems like nothing and empty re is realized as the vast fullness and the potentiality of creative intelligence that has produced this whole world, this whole universe, and more. And so there's a choice, once you understand this, between living a finite existence in, an, in delusion that is futile, or living the most meaningful possible life that leads to deathless eternal presence. And the one thing you have the freedom to choose is, which do I want? But you can, again, only choose it from that place that you reach through Atma-vichara, of the witness to the ego that sees the ego for what it is and doesn't want to live within that box anymore. And once you realize that, then you realize also you're not in that box. You've never been in that box. Emptiness can't be put in a box. And the emptiness is always free and awakened and empowered. And that emptiness is the fullness. And then everything changes. You can have all of that with all of the miracles that come with it very easily. But it's easy only if there are no distractions, only if, okay, 70% of me wants this and the other 30% wants sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Well, no, you're not going to get this then because you're still addicted to the ego identity. And that's why very few people achieve liberation. They can't make a wholehearted decision 
to go for the ultimate reality. And it's true, within the ego you can't, can't make the decision. You can make it after you've done the Atma-vichara and then realizing in that emptiness, this is, this is the real, this is what being is. The rest is appearance. Appearance is, is a flux, it, it's transitory. Your body only lasts a certain amount of time. If you're identified with the body, then at death you'll feel destroyed. But if you realize you're not the body, you're deathless, you're eternal. And the bliss doesn't end. And the beauty and the goodness and the power and the creative intelligence does not end. But it belongs to the supreme power. It doesn't belong to an individual anymore. And the individual ego wants to monopolize, to appropriate, to aggrandize. You see this all the time with, with, uh, with gurus who say, I am enlightened. Well, you know, watch out. No, I, I wouldn't uh, go too close to, to that because that I... Is, is obviously megalomaniacal. <laughs> and you see this all the time, of course, in, in people in every profession, but it stands out when one is claiming enlightenment. And so in your own sadhana, it's very important not to claim, oh, I had all these experiences, I am very special, I've done all of this, I'm very close to enlightenment. As long as there's still an I, that's trying to claim anything, then it's stuck in a very low chakra that's filled with arrogance and conceit. And so un until there is total humility that comes only from the emptiness, then the game of the ego will continue to play. And it's always based on those vices of attachment and greed and lust and, uh, and, and arrogance. <clears throat> but the ego has a very hard time tolerating silence. And it will try to interrupt the silence whenever it can to bring you back into the frame of reference of the ego. It won't allow you to be free. And so the only way you earn your freedom is complete disidentification from thought. There's no other way out. Nothing, nothing real can be attained through thought. All the philosophers who are so proud of their thinking, their logic, most of them are more anxious and troubled than other people. Psychiatrists have a higher suicide rate than any other profession. So those people who try to 
change the ego from within it, it can't do it, and they get burned out and they become depressed and in despair because their careers are failures. So if you want real freedom and not just the fool's gold version of it, which you might get from having a lot of money or having a lot of sex or having uh, a lot of plant medicines that bring you temporarily into altered states. But no one has ever gotten liberation through any of those either. Terence McKenna was as much in his ego at the end of his life as before he took his first LSD or mushroom trip. Didn't get him anywhere. If you want freedom, it's a radical annihilation of the ego mind that is required. Some people have very good karma and they hear this once, they get it, and they're done. Very few, but it happens. Others will take years and years of practice before they can silence the mind. But so what? It's still better to do it in this life and be free and not have to come back around. Because whatever sanskaras are left of the ego will pull the consciousness back into the body to fulfill those same desires and those same forms of uh, attachment to particular kinds of situations. So the way to freedom is only one, and that is the silence that remains continuous, and when it's interrupted, one remembers whose thought is that, it's the ego's, I am not the thought, I am the witness, and you return to the silence until, without entertaining any thoughts, they are dissolved. They will be extinguished because they operate on a conditioned response basis. And if they're not rewarded by your being hooked by them, they lose energy. You breathe life constantly into the ego. And once you stop doing that, the ego will automatically become deflated and die. But there's no way to improve your life in any true significant way from within the ego. Even if circumstances change, the ego will produce the hell realm in some other circumstance. So, if you really get this, you will make this the highest priority and you will attain freedom. The more earnest your yearning is, the quicker it will happen.
And it, it may be that your ego can't even desire it, can't even want this. Probably it can't want this. And some egos can't even listen to this. They can't take it in. They'll reject the knowledge immediately. But if you can understand the truth of it, and there's that margin of recognition that this is the path, then you'll be able to remain in the silence long enough to achieve the goal and be free. All of those of the highest levels of wisdom throughout history have said this is the path. Whether they've languaged it in quite this way or another way with different final terms for ultimate reality is irrelevant. It all comes down to the same truth and the same process which is simple cutting of identification with body and with mind. That's it. Teaching is very simple. We're over time, but I'll take a couple of questions if anyone has any. I think your booty, your intelligence, desires to be free of the ego. The intelligence is a linchpin between ego and soul level of consciousness. And it knows that there's a higher level and a better life and a better consciousness than the ego offers. So that's what you want. And when that booty enters fully into the silence, it becomes a Buddha. And then it, it, it is able to achieve the full empowerment from the self to be free. Okay, so you have to keep constant that new awareness, if it's new, but keep it and not fall back into the old patterns. So vigilance is required. Okay, but I think you've made a, a very important step toward freeing yourself. Thank you. Yes. I believe that this is a path. I'm totally convinced. But can you give me an example of how can I start my Monday after I came back from here? With a silent meditation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. But next to that, in my ordinary day, would I have to be in two places? more or less at the same time. I know if I, if I is the ego. Mm -hmm. So A role will have to be played. Your life is playing out a role. So if you realize that it's only a role that you're playing and be detached from the outcome, okay? Don't worry about things. 
yes, you have a job to do, do it. You have things you have to accomplish, they will happen. But you remain mindful and silent and present. And pretty soon you will find yourself simplifying your life where you only have to be in one place at a time. Okay. And, all right? and you'll make your life much more orderly so that actually a lot of the time you won't have to be anywhere. And you'll be able to sit and meditate more often. Okay? But practice doing this while you're at work, while you're driving, while you're doing whatever you're doing. You can be mindful that you are witnessing the ego going through its role play but you're not it. Like an actor who's playing Hamlet. You know you're not really Hamlet, but you're going to take, oh, to be or not to be, as if it's some kind of you know, reality for you. But you're an actor, okay? So when you realize that, and that this is just a play, a dream, as Shakespeare said, that's all it is, uh, don't take it seriously. Take seriously the silent presence. And the more and more you take that as yourself, the more power you will have to change the role so that it serves your goal of self-realization. Okay. okay, that's it for tonight. I hope it's useful to you. Namaste. So